Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Soberlink. The Soberlink system is designed to make parenting time safer with real-time remote alcohol monitoring. Soberlink uniquely combines a breathalyzer with wireless connectivity and is the only system that includes facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting. Parents can submit a test anytime, anywhere, and have test results delivered automatically to the concerned parties. Simplify co-parenting arrangements by using the system that provides transparency and proof of sobriety throughout the day. Join the thousands of parents who are already benefiting from Soberlink by visiting www.soberlink.com backslash family law. For a limited time, get an exclusive $50 off your device by emailing info at soberlink.com and mentioning Divorce and Beyond. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. The budget word can get under people's skin really fast because it's tedious and, you know, doesn't feel necessary. But I will say, even if you, you know, have a substantial amount of money and income coming in, you still need a budget because the tendency is always going to be to push your expenses to the limit. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today we are going to help you get your financial house in order after divorce. Uh, People spend so much time thinking about their finances during the divorce, but they don't always think about what to do or they're exhausted and they don't jump on it after the divorce is over. But today I am bringing you a leading financial expert who's going to help you with all of the tips, actionable, we just talked about this, real actionable tips that you can take to get things in order after your divorce. So I'm very excited to have a financial expert with us today. Her name is Christina Lynn, and thank you so much for joining us, Christina. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk with you. This is going to be so helpful. Financial episodes are among my top episodes. People um, are really hungry for information. And I think that's because there's, you know, so much fear around finance, especially when it comes to divorce. Um, But I do want to be sure first, before we jump into this, this exciting topic, I I want people to know all of your credentials, because they continually wow me. Um, And so let me just run through them quickly, although this takes a second, people. So Christina is a certified financial planner. She is an accredited financial counselor. She is a certified divorce financial analyst, CDFA. And those of you who know me know I love my CDFAs. And just in case you know those credentials and letters after her name are not enough, she's also in the middle of getting her PhD 
in finance, in personal finance, which just really to me is, is I don't know how much further you could go in all of this. Um, she works with clients nationwide, so she's available to all of you, and she specializes in financial planning for women and families, as well as divorce financial advice. So again, Christina, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, gosh, you're too sweet. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, you know, we got the idea for this episode when you recently appeared um, as our special guest on the Our Happy Divorce Facebook live stream that I do weekly with Ben, Heldfon, Nikki DiBartolo, and Kate Anthony. And one, you told your personal story about how you came to be a divorce financial professional, which I'm going to ask you to share because I, I, I think that's going to really resonate with people. But we also talked about the, the toll it takes on people, the constant stress and worry through the divorce about the finances. And then, you know, suddenly the divorce is over, it's finalized, it's settled. And then people find themselves like, what do I do now? This is what I've ended up with financially. What do I do? So I, I really think that this is something that's so important for people so they can get to their through their divorce and beyond, like the title of the podcast. Um, so, you know, if I could ask you to start with your personal story, um, now that people have heard all of those wonderful credentials you have, they're really, this is really going to have an impact. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, it is a really humble background. I was a stay-at-home mom for six years, which was an amazing experience. I have lovely children, but it was a struggle to reintegrate into the workforce. I um, I really had to decide from scratch what I wanted to do with my life and, and start a career later than my peers were starting careers. Um, so I had some catching up to do, and I was under the gun because I had to, you know, provide for my two small children and. and you know, it's hard starting out when you have to be at work at eight and then school starts at 8.15. You're wondering, how does everyone else do this? So it was really, it was tough and I, I like struggled. So I don't mean to, it's, it's not easy, but it's, if I can do it, everybody can do it. Um, cause I was like a sobbing mess, <laughs> but, um, so how did I get involved in, in personal finances? I always loved budgeting. I was always kind of the queen of budgeting, but believe it or not, in my marriage, my role in the family was not in the like the financial head of the household. I really was given more of like an allowance and I didn't really understand how much income we had going coming in. I had no idea what our assets were and I had no idea what our all of our expenses were. I just knew that I had enough money to grocery shop and, you know, buy things for the kids and myself at the level of lifestyle that we were accustomed to. So when we, when I got to my divorce, um, and my attorney had said, well, why don't you put together a budget of, you know, what your expenses are and what you think that they will be after your divorce on your own. I was like deer in the headlights. Like, I don't even know what language are you speaking? I don't know. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? What? And I didn't yeah. Right. And I didn't know that certified divorce financial analysts existed. Otherwise, I would have employed one or two of them and a divorce coach and someone like yourself that specialized in different types of divorces. But I just didn't know at the time. So um, 
I really floundered through my divorce. It was really ugly. It took many years. Um, it was even, you know, it, it set precedence in the Supreme Court of our state, like super ugly, so sad. But I learned from that experience that um, there is a better way to handle divorces. And I mean, a lot of it was out of my hands and I couldn't control it. But some of it I could have improved on and I just didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. So I was on a mission to figure out like how can other, how can other women navigate this better than I did and men because they, they struggle with the same thing. The flavor is a little bit different, but we all are kind of addressing the same challenges. Um, and so I, yeah, I started, I um, got my master's in financial planning, got those designations that would set me apart in the, the divorce financial community and just kept going with it because I, I love it. Yeah, well, you certainly have kept going with it, um, as I mentioned earlier. But that's that's such an important thing for people to realize. And you and I have talked about this before, that very often as people go into divorce, one, you don't know what you don't know. And there are a lot of professionals in the divorce world. And I'm going to call out my divorce attorney colleagues who don't advise their clients about the other professionals that are available to help them. Um, and I think that's an unfortunate thing because, you know, a CDFA, having a coach, having the right people on your team as you go through your divorce. You know, I know we're here to talk about finances after divorce, but that's so much easier to handle your finances after divorce if you've gotten a handle on them during the divorce. And that that's finding your team. You bet. I, yeah. It's brilliant setup. And I'm so ecstatic that you're coaching people to, to figure that out. Uh, the minute I discovered CDFAs, I, it was like a you know a, a light went off in my world because I, I am a divorce attorney. I I can do finances. Obviously, I, I understand you know financial concepts and ideas. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty of people's finances, and that's what you actually need to know. Um, and we're going to talk about the detail of of information that you need to get on top of. Um, that is very difficult for your to pay your attorney hundreds and hundreds of dollars an hour to get down to the, that minute level, but a, a professional, a financial professional like a CDFA can help you. Um, and you mentioned one thing, and I suspect that this has something to do with post-divorce financial health. You, you talked about your attorney asking you what your budget might be after divorce. Um, how important is that budget? Oh, my Atlanta. It's, it's so important because one- oh, my Atlanta. Wait, I, know. I got it. That's a good one. <laughs> I'm from us. We have a lot of really cheesy stuff. That's things. a good one. Oh, my Lanta. <laughs> yeah, you know, the budget word can get under people's skin really fast because it's tedious and, you know, doesn't feel necessary. But I will say, even if you, you know, have a substantial amount of money and income coming in, you still need a budget because the tendency is always going to be to push your expenses to the limit and almost go past the point or if you're not already going past the point of spending beyond your income. So regardless of your, you know, status with income and and net worth, you need a budget because you need to figure out what you can afford to spend um and 
how to structure things really the way you want in your new independent lifestyle individually, separately, um, that it's just critical. Well, and there becomes sort of that question too, that comes down to, you need to know what you have to pay and what you need to meet those expenses that you need to meet based upon the income you have coming in, whether that's your own income from employment, self-employment, investments, whatever that might be, as well as you may have support coming in. You may have alimony, you may have child support, but you also then need to know how much discretionary income you have and what of that discretionary income you're willing to to spend or blow, I'll call it, on discretionary things, right? It's not just a matter of knowing what, you know, what you're spending on things. Right. And I'll say that like for myself, which I do see in a lot of my clients as well, that discretionary piece of it really, it it changes at least in the short term for let's say like a year or two until you get back on your feet. Um, you need to understand the difference between like your fixed costs, which are, you know, your house, your car, your your utilities, you know, a minimal basic amount of food, and then how much you spend on other things like getting your nails done and going to concerts and buying clothes and all those like massages, like all those types of things. That's discretionary expenses. And like you you can still do those things, but you need to understand like how much you can afford of that previous in, in your previous lifestyle, how much can you carry forward, at least in the meantime. I'm not saying that you can never do those things again. You can have all of the fancy things you want, but you need to be strategic about it. It may take a year of like fasting from those things in order to avoid getting yourself in a financial trap that you have to like heal yourself out of later. I, I like the term fasting from the discretionary spending um, because that is hard and it's hard for people. There's an emotional toll to that, right? They feel like, well, I've just been through a really difficult emotional time. Divorce is a stressor. It's a constant stressor. It's finally over. Why can't I now just do whatever I want to do? And, you know, so to hear they have to fast from getting that massage, but it's really for their long-term health. Well, and the thing is, you may not have to fast. Like there, there may be no requirement to change anything. But the thing is, like you need to know for sure. You need to understand what the numbers look like because if you're doing those things um, and you really don't have the funds short-term to pay for it, you will be like, you'll be regretting that you did that. But if you run the numbers and everything looks okay and you can continue to do it, then go and enjoy it fully. But there is a psychological element of spending without being certain that you can pay for these things. So as soon as you can know that you know that you can afford it, go and enjoy it fully, but don't go enjoy it knowing in the back of your mind that you're kind of building up a like this guilt that it's like kicking the can down the road. Like you're going to have to dig yourself out of this later. Yeah. Well, and that makes me think of, cause I know this is a, a pothole that many people fall into after divorce is credit card spending. Um, I see and have had many clients who, you know, there's a lot of expenses that come up after, uh, after divorce, sometimes, you know, that you're moving into a new household, maybe, or you need to furnish a new home or to replace the furnishings that left or 
a, a myriad of different things and those credit card balances start to go up. Right. So when it comes to credit card usage post-divorce, it is a little bit tricky. Um, a lot of times people have kind of a larger balance initially after divorce because they used a credit card to pay for a divorce attorney, the retainer, maybe like a down payment on an apartment or some household furnishing stuff because you just split a bunch of stuff in the separation process. Um, and there are some cool things that you can do with restructuring your finances um, after divorce to maybe pay off that credit card balance because credit card interest rates are so high and there's a really large psychological weight that is on people's shoulders because you have this outstanding credit card balance. It's very stressful for people. The, the one thing I would say is a warning to doing any sort of payoff of credit cards or any restructuring of finances when it comes to paying off credit cards is if you are carrying a balance in, in that you're not completely 100% paying off your balance of the, at the end of the month, um, whatever you put on the credit card that month, don't do it because you're just kicking the can down the road. Like, and worse than that, you have lost equity either in your house from refinancing or you lost your retirement accounts from doing that restructuring. Don't get creative and pay off credit cards until you have like a set plan with your budget, knowing like you can afford everything. You're not carrying any balance on those credit cards. Yeah, that's the thing I, I do see people doing fairly often, even as they come through the door to get divorced, they have run up huge credit card debt because they're really living a life that's beyond their income. Their lifestyle has expanded beyond their income and they get used to making smaller than the full payment. Um, and that can grow very, very quickly. And those interest rates are very destructive. I'd like to take a moment now to tell you about my favorite co-parenting app, FAIR. There are other apps out there, but FAIR is the only one that I recommend to my clients. We know that divorce is never easy, and when children are in the picture, it can be really tricky, especially when you're trying to communicate with your ex, and that's a challenge. Now there's an app with you and your kids in mind. It's called FAIR, F-A-Y-R. FAIR is the easiest, most intuitive, and conflict-diffusing co-parenting app on the market. It helps to eliminate misunderstandings while also improving communication between co-parents. Here's what the FAIR app can do. It has a time-sharing calendar, documentable text messaging, an expense tracker, a GPS check-in, and by the way, no one else has that, a monthly parenting report, a private journal, a file vault, and importantly, you can export all of the records into a convenient and time and date stamped PDF when you need it for your attorney or for court, and there's a Spanish version of the app as well. So subscribe at BeFair.com, that's B-E-F-A-Y-R.com, and then download FAIR from the App Store or Google Play. You can go to FAIR.com for more details and use the discount code SUSANG18 to receive 20% off. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guest, leading financial expert, Christina Lynn, telling you what you need to know to get back on top financially after divorce. 
Retirement is like the last thing you're thinking about right now because you're just worried about um, like reconfiguring your life and how to get by day to day and like be successful and happy in that. But it's critical that you start planning for your future now because time is such an important factor when it comes to retirement planning. And you just had like a huge, um, you know, like earthquake happen to your personal finances. If you are enjoying this episode, check out The Divorce Doctor is in the House, dealing with the emotions of divorce with Dr. Elizabeth Cohen. You think you're going to be with this person forever, and then suddenly you have to adjust to, nope, wrong story, different story. And that takes a toll on our bodies, our hearts, and our minds. And now we return to today's show. And I think that goes to also, I mean, we're talking about, you know, being short of funds, living outside your means, using credit card and having credit card debt. The other thing that happens for people I know post-divorce, because it often starts during the divorce, is they stop saving and they stop contributing to retirement. So how important is it to get those back on track? Yeah, I'm going to divide that answer up into two. One is saving for an emergency fund. This is actually like your first step. And that is what is going to be your go-to, your like, um, your, um, what's going to come to the rescue when these crazy things happen in your independent life and you have nobody else to go to because you're now, you know, independent, you're not married, you don't have like a a co-partner anymore to handle some of these financial emergencies. Um, It's you're on your own, honey. Like we've got to be independent, taking care of ourselves. And so this is why the emergency fund is now more important than ever. Typically people with their budgets, even if they don't actually have a budget, they just kind of know like, well, this is about how much I can spend every month. Well, unknowingly, subconsciously, you're kind of spending all of your money. There's no like extra cushion there. We're pushing it to the the limit or maybe even a little bit beyond. Well, what happens when things out of the ordinary come up? Like I have to go like do bat repair on my house. Like who's going to pay for that? Or I also need to fix some part on my car. That's not part of my normal like budget. Do you need a a cushion, like a pot as an emergency fund to be able to dip into for those out of the ordinary expenses that don't fit in your normal budget? So typically you hear like three to six months worth of expenses. Well, one, that's actually quite a bit of money and that can be uh, cause anxiety to people. Like one, I don't even know how much I spend in a month. How do, how am I going to figure that out? And then times it by three to six. And it's a lot of money. Um, but recent research has shown that um, an amount of 2,500 is sufficient in most cases to cover most expenses. It, it's um, a little bit complicated, but I kind of like that just simple number that if you can if you can make it a goal to get a a checking or a savings account that is separate from your normal checking account that just sits there in reserve um, to keep it kind of steady at $2,500, 
you should be like good for most emergencies. Now, if another COVID happens and you lose your job, clearly that's not going to cover it. You know, that takes more advanced financial planning, but I like the $2,500 number, dollar number for like most kind of crazy things that come up in life. Um, and then the second piece of your um, answer I wanted to, to contribute with the savings issue is retirement. Um, retirement um, is like the last thing you're thinking about right now because you're just worried about um, like reconfiguring your life and how to get by day to day and like be successful and happy in that. But it's critical that you start planning for your future now because time is such an important factor when it comes to retirement planning. And you just had like a huge, um, you know, like earthquake happen to your personal finances. So um, if you if you work at a job, make sure that you're, you know, contributing at least what the employer matches. And as soon as you feel comfortable or like you have it within your bandwidth, meet with a professional that can help you get set up to like uh, contribute an appropriate amount. Cause I promise you the least, the less time that you procrastinate on this, the more empowered and awesome you are going to feel. Yeah. I, I think it's an important thing for people to understand with retirement. I've run into this with clients before is they say, well, post-divorce, I must be okay. I got half of our retirement accounts. But what you're forgetting in that is that what the two of you as a couple saved was for a couple to be in retirement together. Now you have, if you did an equal split, you have 50% of that accumulated retirement savings for one person to live. And it's more expensive for one person than two people on double the amount. So you are automatically, unless you are dealing with really high numbers, you are automatically starting back in the hole if you uh, for retirement. So I think that's really important. Yeah. And I think that it's, that's such a scary or intimidated, intimidating thing to dive into that people just kind of want to shelf it for now is, am I on track for retirement now that this just happened to me with my divorce? And so they just don't think about it. They put their head in the sand, which is a classic move that we've all been through like at some like level or another, but you really do need like uh, an expert to consult with, to be on your team, to help you answer that question. Like, are you on track for retirement? Because like you said, which was perfect and straight on, like right on, is that things have really changed now. We never, none of us plan to get divorced. And now we need to shift our, our lens, like our viewpoint. We're not planning on, on having anyone else like come to our rescue anymore. Like we have to figure this out on our own. And it's not half of as expensive. It's like... <laughs> It's just as expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, 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 I always call, by the way, that, that I call that ostrich syndrome where people are sticking <laughs> their head in the sand. Yeah. Um, and you see it in so many different ways during divorce because there's so little that we actually want to deal with when we go through it. But you've also mentioned a couple of times about getting help or getting the right teammates. And I think that that's a, a critical factor because if you didn't build that team during divorce, now you have that opportunity. Now is the right time to do it. So who should be on the team? How do people find someone so that they can start getting things in order? 
Well, I mean, really, my my wheelhouse is the financial wheelhouse. I'm sure that, you know, your other guests have lots of other suggestions, but I'll give you some tips when it comes to finances. You know, people think like, well, I'm not, I'm not rich, so I don't need a financial advisor or like that's too expensive. I don't want to pay the fees. Ask around and interview people. It's actually, it's for everybody. And the, the structure has really changed in the industry over the years. And people who are like lower to middle class, middle to upper class, you can just pay a fee almost like on a sliding scale, if you will. It's not actually on a sliding scale, but if you're not, you know, super wealthy, there are still plenty of plans out there available for you that are within your budget that will uh, level you up when it comes to your finances. So um, look for a certified financial planner is a really great start. If you are in the divorce process at all, you know, I would actually recommend that you just stick with a certified divorce financial analyst and then you can interview for post-divorce help afterwards. But if you, you need the specialized divorce financial help within the CDFA realm, if you have a foot in the legal realm right now. Absolutely. I mean, again, if I have to say this again, you've all heard it from me, but get a CDFA if you're going through a divorce. Do yourself a favor. Do your entire divorce process a favor because that will help you move through the process more quickly. I actually was just doing a mediation um, with some clients that have a fairly complicated financial picture, and we were getting really bogged down in the mediation. We brought in the a CDFA that I've worked with before, and he has us back on track. He has this moving in one meeting. In one meeting, we're back on track, and it's it's fantastic. The clients are thrilled. So um, I, I highly recommend it as always. But so once you have that team, uh, you know, I want to make sure that that people realize it's not all doom and gloom. There's there's positivity ahead. And some of that has to do with, you know, setting your goals, your financial goals going forward. Oh, yay. This is my favorite part. Well, first, I mean, there's not too much research behind this, but I'm going to go ahead and say my opinion. I think your attitude matters. I think that, um, you know, go ahead and go through the grieving process, but then let's, you know, put our big girl panties on and let's go get it. Let's straighten our life out and make the best of it. And make we, I mean, I think we're living proof that this next chapter can be better than our previous chapter. And I believe that's true for everyone listening. And so um, the, like the quicker turnaround you can make to really like taking the bull by the horns and addressing some of these financial issues, the quicker you're going to see like how, how actually positive it can look. Um, and so financial goals, um, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that is a really powerful, um, exercise that you can use for yourself. It doesn't cost any money and, you know, setting goals seems so like abstract and a little bit like woo woo, but it, it trains your mind to focus on what you want rather than all of the terrible stuff that you've just been through, which is heavy. I get it, but keep it that that goal is going to shift your shift your vision. And what do they say? Like you know, keep your eye on the ball. Like you want your eye to be, you want your focus to be on where you want to go. And so these goals are are just uh, they're not critical. Like I've, I I say that a lot. It's not critical, but they can really enhance your life in a a lovely magical way. And it's free and easy. Um, and so 
some tips for those financial goals are, you know, make them baby steps. If you, you know, make, if you're making $30,000 a year, don't say that you want to be making a million dollars by next year. Um, you know, make them realistic because you have that, that, um, line of sight needs to be obtainable. Um, so make them clear, set, um, give a, a timeline on them. Like, you know, I want to, you know, have this set up by the end of 2021. Great. That's a, that's a, a really good setup for a financial goal. And I do think that it makes a difference. Well, I love that you say have a time frame for it because that knowing your time frame actually gives you the framework for achieving the goals. You know, for example, if your goal is to have that $2,500 saved that you mentioned earlier as the emergency fund, well, if you want to have that ready to go in six months or one year or whatever that is, you kind of, it tells you what you need to put aside to get mm-hmm. there and it adds, you know, one more layer into that financial planning. So I think goals or any type of a goal is wonderful, but what really matters is the steps we take to achieve those goals. Once we've achieved yep. a goal, it's a checked box, but the steps are really important. Yeah, you bet. And I, this may sound too basic, um, so you can cut it if it's too basic, but one of my favorite financial planning tips just um, in your normal budget for saving is to find a bank that allows for multiple different checking accounts or savings accounts that they won't give you guff for having like seven of them and have, and, you know, title them with the different purposes. So like I have one that I save up for like property taxes and I have one that I save up for vacation so I can go on vacation and not feel guilty. And so, and have, have a, have one that you're doing on automatic contributions set it at like, you know, I do one of mine for $400 every month. I don't even think about it. It goes into this one sinking fund. And so it doesn't seem like much every month, but like you blink six months later and you're like, Ooh, I have a little bit of a nice fund built up there. And, and that's how you make it happen. I actually did that. I, I, this just reminds me because I just got a, a statement from this account. A long time ago, I set up an account online at a bank that had a great uh, interest rate on savings accounts. It's, I don't have anything else there, but I did an automatic weekly deposit into that account. It just happens. It's been happening now for years. I forgot all about it, which is probably <laughs> not what you as a financial planner want to hear, except surprise. surprise, I now have a very nice, healthy little savings account that's been earning a nice interest rate. And I th- do think, you know, if it's a tip or not, but one of the things that helped me is it wasn't attached to all my other bank accounts. So I did just sort of think, you know, put it aside and not think of it. And that was helpful to me. But part of it is I, I love that automating tip that that is a real actionable thing. Just have $25, $50, you know, a, a week, a month, whatever it is. Savings start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And stick to it. Don't take, don't, 
don't deactivate the automatic plan because it don't does. Don't let those it just, shoes deter you. That oh, right. they're on sale. I need to. They're have so them. pretty. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christina, I, I love that we have some actionable tips for people in this, and I love that it's a positive. I hope you all hear that. That you know, taking charge of your finances, although it may feel scary, it's actually a very empowering and something thing to do. I mean, look at Christina. <laughs> so she went from, as she said, a stay at, mom, stay at home mom for six years to, you know, a financial professional with multiple certifications and now degrees coming in her pipeline at, who clearly, you know, has seen the positive side of being able to take charge of her finances. And that can be there for, for all of us. Now, one thing you very kindly are offering to listeners, as you said, that they could contact you for a free 15 minute consultation. So how would they do that? Yeah, you bet. Send me a message through like my Instagram or Facebook. Um, if you, you can find me on the, on the web too, just look up Christina Lynn certified financial planner. Um, sometimes it just helps to ask, you know, everyone has a unique money situation. So if you wanted to just kind of say, Hey, this is my story. What would you recommend? I may not be able to give too specific of advice, um, but I'll do my best to kind of point you in the right direction. That's amazing. Thank you. And and you have a website that people can go to? ChristinaLynn.net. Wonderful. So, well, I so appreciate your coming on, Christina, and sharing this all with me. I hope, you know, as I try to help people move beyond divorce, finances are such a critical component. Uh, this is really helpful to everyone. So thank you. You rock, Susan. Just keep up the good work. <laughs> you too. Thank you we'll so have a much. party when you get that PhD. So. Woo, I'll take you up on that. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.